We've been ambushed by pornography. Hi, this is Karen Broadhead, director of Mothers Who Know. Are you or your loved ones experiencing the fallout? All of our families are navigating this uncertain territory. This enlightening series is dedicated to breaking the chains of pornography. Get ready to harness game-changing truths and tools for you and those you love. Special guest presenters with time in the trenches will courageously share experiences on the front lines along with powerful messages of hope. Thanks for joining us. Okay, welcome everyone. We are so excited for this webinar series that we called Breaking the Chains of Pornography. Just sharing powerful tools and truths with parents and leaders and youth. We just honor your time. We're so grateful that you would come and spend some time this evening. And we also just want to thank Wes and Spenny for coming to present tonight. We've been after them for a while now, so we're so glad to get them both here together. And we also just want to thank just the incredible team of so many individuals that donated so much time to help this to happen. This was really truly in large part, quite a labor of love. And so we're just so grateful for that. I just wanted to just acknowledge you as you're here and just let you know, my name is BJ Hill and I am part of the support staff at Life Changing Services and with Mothers Who Know. And as we've been thinking about you joining and just the different circumstances you might be coming from, you're probably like our families and you're bumping into all kinds of things that are challenging with mental health or pornography or uh, just a, a various array of things that are challenging. And we just acknowledge that. And if you're feeling like, hey, we're feeling stuck, we've tried things before, we're, this has gone on too long, this is too painful, it's too embarrassing, we just invite you to open your hearts to the, I might say, inevitable, because that's what Wes and Spenny, I've heard them say, not only possible, but inevitable, just opportunity to have just hope and help. And also that there are truths and tools that really absolutely change the tide of this battle and every battle. And so we just love to, to share that and highlight that. So today's message of hope is by Weston Smith and Spencer Buswell. We affectionately have loved to call them Weston Spenny as they have introduced themselves on their podcast and just in other settings. And they're going to be talking about find your teammates in the battle against Satan and pornography is the title of their message today. I wanted to share just a little bit more about them before I hand it over to them. This is what they sent us when we asked them, can you tell us a little bit about you? And I just love this, love this. So the hour was late as two new friends sat talking in a parked car outside Utah State's library. Weston Smith and Spencer Buswell were deep in conversation in Wes's 1993 Toyota 4Runner when from somewhere deep inside his soul, he shared with Spencer a dark secret of shame that he had concealed for years, expecting repulsion and disgust. 
Wes was met with a reciprocal confession of relief as the words, me too, fell from Spence's lips. Each young man would never be the same. Wes and Spenny grew together as they sought to rid their lives of addiction. After trying multiple support groups and accountability apps, Wes soon discovered the Sons of Helaman program and he invited Spenny along with him. The experience for both of them from the very beginning was electric as they were finally able to articulate their frustration with Satan and have real tools given them to tap into their dormant warrior chemistry. Lifelong friendships have been forged with Cody Haas and Lane Hilton. They're both leaders in, in the Sons of Helaman groups for and they were for Wes and Spenny. Both Wes and Spenny graduated from the program, but desire to continue in their fight against Satan. Wes and Spenny, I just want to share this last part. It was at this moment when, I can't see part of that, but when Spenny gave this crazy idea to start a podcast about their recovery experiences. The Eternal Warrior podcast was born with over 40 episodes now live and hundreds and thousands of episodes streamed to dozens of countries across the globe. The EWP has been a passion project that has changed the lives of Wes and Spenny forever and connected them to amazingly rad warriors the world over. Since the establishment of the Eternal Warriors podcast, both Wes and Spenny have successfully gone on to marry amazing women. So how fun to get to introduce you all. This is Spencer and his wife, Ashley, and they live in Holiday with their two-year-old baby girl. And when Spenny's not making up new rap songs or hitting it hard in the gym, Spence is selling software to make ends meet. And then here's Wes and Izzy. They just passed their first year mark of marriage last April. And to celebrate, they have just returned from an eight-month epic voyage around the world. They now also live in Holiday, Utah, and they're excited to work on some new entrepreneurial ideas as a next step in their careers. So what a fun introduction. And there's a lot in between that first <laughs> introduction and where they are now. We'll see how they are at, at getting this all fitting it all in. So anyway, we just appreciate you, Wes and Spenny. I'm going to go ahead and spotlight both of you so that everyone can just see you really well. And then we'll let you take it from here and we'll transition in the Q&A after your message. All right, Wes and Spenny, over to you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jay. And I just have to quickly say that Wes was, was responsible for those bios. The rap songs? I'm like, Wes. Vince, come on, don't be so modest. We <laughs> all know that you're you're triple platinum. Okay. <laughs> I I know that not all of you are in a position to do this. You might be wrangling kids or, or whatever, but it does mean a lot to us. If you are in a position to come on video and, and share your, your face with us, we do make that connection, but totally get it too if you're in a spot where you can't do that golf that intro I don't, I don't know how we're gonna live up to that bj but that means the world to us spence you had some housekeeping questions that you wanted to ask the team here yes so to all of those in the here tonight 
first of all, thank you for being here. What? It's so awesome. Are you kidding? 43 people. Wes, it's so awesome. So thank Way you cool. and your busy lives for taking time with us. In the chat, we are going to invite you to answer a few questions just to get us started. Just so we know who you are a little bit. And if you're not like super Zoom literate, the chat feature, if you take the cursor of your mouse and go over, just if you drag it around the screen, you should see a quote bubble at the bottom that says chat. If you click on that, you'll see a sidebar populate over to the right. And then you can see us typing over here. So look, I'm going to say welcome to the chat. And you can see it right there. Welcome, welcome. And then the first question, I'm just going to put it in the chat. Respond with the number that corresponds to where you fit into into the fight against Satan and pornography. If one being a warrior in the fight that's battling against pornography, maybe a supporter would be number two, ecclesiastical leader or other kind of support individual. And then four other, if there's another, I couldn't think of. Oh, Lisa, what's up? other just so we can get to know where just a fan and looking for something cool to do on a tuesday night yeah there you exactly. go exactly yeah okay we got yeah, some so supporters i love it got some warriors this is awesome very this good is so great this helps us a lot to know a little bit more about our audience and help to tailor our remarks a little bit more specifically to what your needs are yeah I'm seeing like lots of... deuce is wild spence i, think I know that's lots of rule supporters of day, man. you guys are so awesome oh my gosh Oh, I love that. Oh my gosh, you guys are the awesome. best. Okay, next question would just be if you have, how familiar you are with life-changing services and like terminology, Sons of Helaman, all that kind of stuff. One being, yes, very familiar. Two being never, this is your first exposure and or early on exposure. Yeah. So one's, Okay. Looks like we've got some Sons of Helaman and, and life-changing services can be its own vernacular a little bit. We'll do, like, if you are a two and you realize, oh, I don't know, everybody's a one here, we'll do our best to to address things. Like if we say something like warrior chemistry, chemical scale, flagpole, these are just a, a few of the exciting vocabulary things that we will be touching on. Sure. Everyone knows Love what's it. going on. Okay. And then the last one is, have you ever heard of the eternal... One being yes, two being no, and what the heck is that? We'll be very not offended if you're a two. That's <laughs> totally fine. Just curious. But okay, we've got what people oh, looks like. They, okay, few that have it. They might understand our weird humor. This is great. <laughs> not offended. No, cool. it's so awesome. Okay, cool. This is great. Thank you guys so much for uh, being here once again. Just quickly. I'm Spenny, this is Wes. We're gonna pull up our presentation. We're so genuinely excited to be here with you guys tonight to talk about our stories. And really that's something that we have learned is so powerful in this battle against pornography and Satan at large. And the main topic being how to find our team, how to put together a team in the battle against Satan and pornography. And of course we had to pull up the dream team. Right, mm. we're, put, we're not just putting together an all-star team, you guys. We are putting together the dream Hall of Fame. Yes, Hall of Fame and Christian Leitner, I guess. But look at that—we got we got the mailman and Stockton right there, front and center. 
Michael but, Jordan. Oh yeah. All the greats. You'll soon learn that like these types of incredible all-star players are not unique to sports. And I, I want to call out right off the bat that we want all of you to know that the fact that you're on this call, it's a very good sign. Okay. I know a lot of you probably have a lot of anxiety about what's happening either in your own life or the life of the person that you're supporting, but whether you're in a supportive role or that you're going through this yourself, you're here. Okay. You either your child or, or someone that is going through this has confided in you about what they're going through and they're proactively doing something about it. And you're here too. Okay. So and you're supporting them. That's a recipe for success and happiness. Okay. You are not the ultimate at-risk demographic that Satan is drilling into your mind that you are. You're not. You are well on your way to success and recovery and sustained happiness. All right. This is this is just part of one of the many storms of life. Everybody gets to go and pick out the or everybody is served up something from the buffet of challenges and mortality. This just happens to be a little bit of, of what you got. You got you 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 went to the porn table and dished up a little bit of that. I did, Spence did. And now we all get to eat it up and, and figure it out together. Recovery, just like anything else that's worthwhile in life, is a team sport. Okay. Uh, in this presentation, we're going to tell you our recovery stories and tease out the principles for success that have really helped us, as well as everyone that we've spoken to on our podcast have sustained success. Okay. So we're really excited to talk to you about it. And we don't like one thing that we want you to realize is like, there's nothing special about us. Sorry, Spence. Is there anything else you wanted to add here before? That's yeah. it. Yep. That's it. I was calling the ladies at a young age, obviously, as you can see here, um, <laughs> spitting my game. No, look, I was a kid just like every one of you. Okay. So was this guy. All right. Look at that dapper. Uh, individual you know, with hair at the time i Bummer. like i guess i was about this age here on the right when pornography was really like a big part of my life and i wasn't sure what to do per se it was probably about this time that my mom had figured out that something was going on but didn't know what was going on i eventually did reveal to her my deep dark secret of pornography, masturbation, addiction. And she was so amazingly loving to get me into my bishop and to start having that conversation. I feel like being able to bring this into light and not just be alone in an echo chamber was really important in my youth. I was probably about 16 when this picture was taken, but that's as far as my recovery really evolved. Ooh, how about Weber Warriors? How about that? Wes, you got so much swag. I love your position. Lean on back. What's Dude, up, dog? Telling you. Yeah, I. This is me at good old Weber High School, and similarly, at this time in my journey, was fighting pornography all by myself, very alone, from the age eleven when I was first exposed to pornography in a very innocent, just curious way. And, and then battled alone for almost 11 years. And so this were, these were some of those moments that were dark and alone and felt like I had ruined my shot at life, at everything I wanted, which was, I want to be successful. I want to have a family. I want to 
marry an amazing woman that is beautiful and spiritual and awesome and that, yeah, would love me. And I was like, I've thrown that away and felt like God had given me so much and I had tossed it out the window by falling into pornography addiction and very isolating, challenging times. It's very painful, painful experience. Spence, you had it all going for you. Now this, yeah, this goes into to some more confident days. Got on a mission though, talked to a bishop. And this is not in, in my missionary garb, just to clarify. This is not what I wish I would have worn that as a missionary. I think you would have had a couple more baptisms with that, but <laughs> that's just me. Um, but no, so I talked to a bishop when I was about 17, had a beautiful experience feeling very connected to Jesus Christ. Like he had forgiven me that I, yeah, look at that swag on the mish. But I, I was like, wow, Jesus Christ is real. He can heal me. He can change me. It was amazing. But my thought was, is now that I've talked to my bishop, it's done, right? I'm done with that. And I'll never have any trouble again. And got out on a mission, loved my mission in Mexico City. And, and then came home and shortly after that fell right back into old habits and thus the shame cycle continued. But yeah, what about you, Wes? Very similar and very similar to a lot of the people that we've had on our podcast and that we've talked to is I was alone and, and I mentioned that I finally did recruit some help just like Spence with a bishop and with my mom, but really that was it. That was as big as my team was. That's all I really had on my roster. And here I am with, with my little companion out in Long Island, New York, in, in New York City South, serving the Lord. And, and I loved my missionary service. And we've had a lot of people like ask us, what, what, do you still have challenges on your mission? And, and yeah, you do. And should you talk to your mission president? Yeah, you should. <laughs> the president's there. He doesn't want to send you home from your mission. He wants to help you be successful. And if you're working hard to get to a place to where you can get on the mission, you ought to continue to sustain that success while you're on the mission. Two years is not just this weird, magical hiatus that Satan's just, oh, I'm not going to work on you or not get to you. You are very busy, or at least you should be. <laughs> and that makes it hard to have idle hands that the devil can play with. But Spencer's story is one that we hear all the time and one certainly resonates with me. As you get home and all of a sudden, one thing that I couldn't fathom when I came home from my mission was how long a day is, how long 24 hours really can be. The mission is so good at, at helping you really squeeze the most out of your mortality that you can. And all of a sudden, without that infrastructure in place and systemic planning and execution of what you're going to do each day, all of a sudden, I remember like, getting up at, at 6.30, doing my thing. And then I'm like, okay, I guess I'm done. And it's 10.30. And I'm like, what do I do for the rest of the day? And it's really easy to have, to fall back into old, dormant, very powerful neural pathways that, that once existed, especially, and again, this is the, the theme of what we're talking about here, especially if you're on your own, especially if you're fighting by yourself and you aren't actively multiplying your efforts by recruiting other people to help you out and helping other people out in their efforts. So here Spence and I are two very, very handsome return missionaries trying to figure it out. And we actually become fast friends at Utah State. And 
here we are on a group date. Neither of these women are in our lives anymore, but it's okay. We totally upgraded. If you know them, they are wonderful people. I'm not saying anything like that, but Spence and I became really good friends. And, and I appreciate what BJ read that story about us. Finally, I don't know, like it's, it's Providence, honestly, put Spencer Buswell on my path. Maybe misfortune for me to be in his, but we became very fast friends and the fact that we shared something so difficult, but so personal together really brought us close together. And so much so that after we graduated school, we ended up working at the same company together. And that's when Spence came to me one day and said, Hey, what if we do this? Okay. Spence, why don't you talk a little bit more about where the genesis of that came from? Oh man, there's a, this is a long Genesis story because in between mission and the Eternal Warrior podcast was really five years of a lot of ups and downs and painful experiences, continuing with recovery from addiction and, and masturbation addiction. And just to quickly highlight a couple of those things before I talk about where the Eternal Warrior podcast came from, just to fill you in on those on those years and where my teammates were and how they all fit. And then we'll, we can roll back through each one of these, but just want to highlight quickly that I hadn't even told my parents until I was home off my mission. So I hadn't even recruited to Wes's point. He had his mom. I legit just fought alone. And, and one thing to highlight there is that man, Satan sure does thrive when it's a one-on-one -on -one battle. Oh man. He had me against the ropes, completely pummeling me that I was worthless and a terrible human. And it really, I fortunately had a girl that I was dating recommend, hey, you need to talk to your mom. And so I'm so grateful for her. I talked to my mom and oh my gosh, you guys, my mom, just the way that she responded with so much love, so much compassion. She wasn't perfect by any means through that, had no idea what it really meant to have struggles with pornography, anxious and worried about me and all the things. But I just want to highlight quickly that she really, I, I needed more than just a bishop. I needed, I need some more. I need some more teammates. And of course, bishops and ecclesiastical leaders are so important and part of that, but I needed my mom. And then to Wes's point, I, I needed someone that was in the battle. I needed someone that was in it with me. And that was Wes and kudos to him for his courage. Just saying, hey, I'm struggling. And then we got to Sons of Helaman and that develops all these things. And in Eternal Warrior podcast, that was a long origination story to your question, Wes. But it finally was a point where I realized, man, we're not the only ones. And there are a lot of people out there suffering alone, like I was for 11 plus years. They shouldn't be like, this is a ubiquitous, this is a very common problem that isn't talked about. Like, why isn't there a podcast? Why isn't there something out there that is more open and talking about, obviously there are podcasts, but I was just like, oh my gosh, like we got to do something. And so it, it clicked. I came to Wes 
<laughs> Do you remember that that fateful day at yeah, work? Spence, was at work. Spence, Spence grabs me at work and he like hops into this team conference room. There's there's nobody in there, but it's like big enough for four people. He's like, hey, you know how we're going through a porn recovery? I'm like, Shh, dude, keep it down. I'm like people speak English here. And he's like, hey, what if we like do a podcast about that? And I'm like, oh, so you want to tell the whole world about this? Okay, I'll support that. <laughs> it I was exactly what I needed. Honestly, it was surprising how how quickly he jumped on board. It was so awesome. I still, yeah. Anyways, that was when the Eternal Warrior podcast was born. It's been a beautiful, amazing experience. Yeah, the best. So many cool people that we've met throughout that are in the same exact place that whoever you are listening to this right now, today, you're not alone. You're not the only one. And as a supporter... You also are not alone. You, there are people here to help and there are people to add to your team. So that's what we're going to go through now that we've given high level story. Now we're going to go back through and, and highlight more specifically, what are the different teammates? What are their roles and responsibilities? What are some things that maybe they should not avoid Wes, but just be aware of that, that maybe doesn't fall within their role or responsibility. Right. So it's thankfully it's football season, which is wonderful yes. or very frustrating and heartbreaking. If you're a green Bay Packers fan, like I am, but there are like, it's so important. Like each, each position in football, American football, sorry, if we have some footballers out there, but this can be applied to any sport. Each position has a very unique role. And if you fail to do your role, the team is negatively affected. And if you try to do the role of somebody else while neglecting your role, the team is negatively affected. And so what Spencer and I are going to do here is we're going to walk through the key role players that you need to work to get on your team. All right. Find someone to play your quarterback position. Find someone to play running back, wide receiver, left tackle. They all have different unique responsibilities, but they're essential for your success. And the first person that you need to get on your team without fail is the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. Nothing's going to happen. You're not going to have any sustained support without the Savior. You may be able to resist temptation for a little while, but without connecting to your internal, your deep why to change, Satan will continue to have power over you. We've got a couple scriptures here that we'd like to rip through real quick that kind of highlight this. And I've got these pulled up. Spence, is, do you just want me to read them through real quick and we can crank them? So we go to Ether 1227. This is one that is probably familiar to a lot of you. And if you're not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or familiar with uh, the Book of Ether, this comes from the Book of Mormon, which is uh, uh, a part of the, the Mormon canon. But this says here, if men come unto me, meaning the Lord Jesus Christ, I will show unto them their weakness. I give unto men weakness that they may be humble. And my grace is sufficient for all men that humble themselves before me. Okay. So the fact that you're on this call takes some humility. Moving forward and, and trying to turn to the Lord and realize that you can't do things on your own is hard. And it takes humility to do that. Okay. Our next scripture here is in Alma 32, verse 13. It says here, and now because ye are compelled to be humble, blessed are ye. As if he is compelled to be humble, seeketh repentance. And now surely whosoever repenteth 
shall find mercy. And he that findeth mercy and endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. Look, you're being humble and the Lord is accepting that, that humility and that repentance, okay? It's essential to be humble for the atonement to, to take effect in our lives. We're now going to switch back over, or excuse me, we're going to jump to Philippians 4.13. This is in the New Testament. This is a short, quick one, but it says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. So we've established that we are humble because we are trying to change something. The Lord is, is seeing that humility as a sign of repentance, and he's going to be with us. Philippians 4.13, we're not doing it on our own. He's part of our team. Therefore, he can make things happen. He can help us change. Let's hop back to Ether 12. Okay, verse 11. And don't worry, we'll be able to give you this presentation afterward. You don't need to worry about jotting all this down. So Ether 12.11 says, But in the gift of his Son hath God prepared a more excellent way, and it is by faith that it hath been fulfilled. So all of a sudden, God's path is better than the one that we've carved out for ourselves. He hath prepared a more excellent way. So many... and. So many people that are striving to do recovery see it as that, as a check mark or a check, a box to check or something to do that you're broken and you need to get fixed. But Ether here, in fact, the Lord here through Ether is telling us that's not what this is about. This is about understanding and finding the more excellent way. So what is this more excellent way? If we go to 2 Nephi 31, 20, wherefore... So what do we do? What's this more excellent way? Wherefore, ye must press forward with a steadfastness in Christ, having a perfect brightness of hope and a love of God and of all men. Think to love yourself, forgive yourself, and forgive others who have maybe hurt you or betrayed you or abused you. Wherefore, if ye shall press forward, feasting upon the word of Christ and endure to the end, behold, thus saith the Father, ye shall have eternal life. That term eternal life, maybe I'm unique in this, but whenever I heard that, especially in a churchy context, I thought it was like, oh, it's like after you die, when you get resurrected and then you have your body again, and then like you won't die again. That's eternal life. You have to wait to die to get it kind of thing. I don't think that's the case anymore. I think that the scriptures are clear that eternal life can be lived here and now. So what is eternal life? Here's our last scripture. Okay, we go to, sorry, the New Testament, Gospel of John, chapter 17, verse 3. And this is life eternal, that they might know the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I've, I heard a talk by Elder Bednar, one of our apostles in the church, where he was asked the question of, in a Jesus Christ, he answered that question. I know him. We, if we're honest with ourselves, we can all think, I know somebody in my life who lives an eternal life or a life that I would like to live. And our first teammate in this fight is the Lord Jesus Christ and helping us get there. Again, this is not about getting fixed or getting better. This is about becoming excellent, living a more excellent way and living an eternal life. Sorry, I just ran with that because I had the scriptures up. Spence, anything you want to add to That's, that? Yeah, that was beautiful. Only thing to add would just be that without recovery, I would never have come to know Jesus Christ like I have. 
and know how good he really is and how merciful and kind and patient and how much in his power and his what he can do he can transform and prove us and give us the strength to keep fighting to keep going and so got to recruit the greatest of all time you say that in sports right the best that's ever done it to ever do it and that's jesus christ you got to have him on your team number one teammate there's one thing you take away from this evening it's the lord's got to be your go-to all right but we've got some mortals that we're going to add to the roster too and here we go with finding a trusted confidant okay spence who do we have here on our screen this is the sweetest little woman in the world namely kathy buswell who's my mama and really this person on your team has got to be someone you trust it doesn't have to be your mom for me and Wes, it happens to be that it was both our mom. But it's just got to be someone you trust. And it's got to be someone that you can just bring. You, you have to get it out, right? This, this, this battle has to be brought to light, right? Once again, if it's in the darkness, if it's in the shadows, that's where Satan thrives. We've got to bring it to light. And that, for me, was my mom. And a couple of things to really highlight here was that my mom... My mom helped me realize, or she instilled in me a confidence in myself that I didn't have in myself. And she, having already recruited Jesus Christ on her team, was so confident in him and his ability to help me. And over again, she would say things like, and I wrote these down, you will beat this thing. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, right? We're going to get this thing figured out. She would constantly say, I believe in you. She would say things like, I have no doubt that you are going to beat this, right? And once again, her testimony of Jesus Christ came through that every time. Another quick story about my confidant that I think this is pertinent for supporters here today is this was July 4th, teen. We're on our way down. It was just me, my dad, my mom. We were driving down to a family reunion to celebrate our independence. And I was at an all-time, at that point, I've had a lot of all-time lows. <laughs> I was at a low, really low in the fight. And I legit remember saying something along the lines of, because we had been talking, and my mom and I had been talking on this drive about Satan and his role and all this. I just remember he's, I said, he's soaked me dry. He's this, I don't have any more to give. Like he has soaked me dry. And I will never forget my mama's response. And in this response is this core principle that I will never forget, which is you cannot have him. And she's not talking to me. She says, you cannot have him. She was calling Satan out on the carpet. She said, you will not have my boy. And therein lies the principle that she knew who the real enemy was. That her son was not the enemy here. Her son was not the problem. Satan is a 
is a genius manipulator, all uh, just the scummiest of the scum that wants to destroy us and our families. And she got that. And she said, you cannot have him. And so the reason why I bring up a couple of these examples of the way my mom responded was if you can instill that in your child, that you believe in them and that you understand that this, that they're not the problem, it's going to be a huge win. And she was the cheerleader. But yeah, what about you? What yeah, I think that's, yeah, like? that's, that's sweet Lori right there. So this, some fun, fun West trivia. Here we are actually picking up my brother from his mission uh, to New York City when I was a teenager. And then just a few years later, I served in the same mission, hence the great tacky t-shirts. But yeah, like you've got to be the ultimate cheerleader. Okay. This, I think this role, the trusted confidant is usually going to be the first person that the warrior confides their secret to that kind of trusts and brings to light. And so they don't need your judgment or your criticism. They just need you. They just need someone to listen. They just need someone to help them realize that they're not allowed or they're not alone, excuse me. But it's also important that you keep their confidence. That actually, my mom did tell someone once and she, her heart was in a good place, but it was hard on me. It really uh, damaged my trust a little bit, but um, we were able to, to work through that. But don't divulge that without their, without the warriors say so. They're on their own timetable of who they're willing to share that with and when. That actually happened when Spence and I had started our podcast and you think I'd be okay with that of, man, if I broadcast this to whomever, then I shouldn't care, but that's my thing. And your warrior wants to have a little bit of control over that. Another thing that the person in this role can do is to help curate the environment for success. Now, what do I say that? If let's say the the behavior that you're trying to change is you want to wake up early in the morning. The last thing that you want to do is to have an alarm clock right next to your bed with a snooze button next to it. That You don't want that. Take your alarm clock and put it across the room so that it's going to wake you up. So you actually have to wake up and get out of bed if you're going to go turn it off. And maybe you have your running shoes on the ground that you're going to trip over that remind you, oh yeah, I was going to get up and go running. There's things that you can do to physically change your environment. Not having a device that you access pornography through in your bedroom or in the bathroom or something that is an easy place to lose. The trusted confidant can help to facilitate that. Okay. There's a great, there's a couple of great books out there that I'd recommend. One is called Change Anything. Another one is called Influencers that talk about how to create environments for success and behavior change. Those are both by David Maxfield, Joseph Granny, and Carrie Patterson. If you're interested, they're great. Another thing I would put on here in with an asterisk. Oh, go ahead, Spence. Sorry. I was going to say Atomic Habits. Yes. Another book. Highly recommend about just environment and how to change. Love it. Thank you. Those are, that's a great uh, resource as well. Help with accountability. I put an asterisk here because I want what you need to do is to help normalize the discussion with your warrior about recovery. Make sure that manpower is a key focus, but do not let this become the only thing that you talk about. That happened with my mom and I for a little bit and it sucked. It was just really hard. I knew that like anytime she wanted to chat, it was like, here comes the porn police. And that's not fun. That's a horrible dynamic to a relationship. Just have this be another supportive spoke in the wheel of your relationship. Don't let it become the hub. And of course, you want to challenge and inspire. Push them. If they're losing battles habitually, we've seen this in group a lot. We've gone through this where 
yeah, I'm minus two this week. Or if you, sorry, if you're not familiar with the terminology, that would mean that you're not having success in changing your addictive behaviors. And that habitually continues. And yet you still profess to be going to, to group or doing your manpower. Call them on it and say, look, if you're really working the program, then why is it that you're not having the success that you want? It's not about what you as the parent want or you as the bishop want. It's about what they want. Do they really want to change? Just a couple notes here on what this role is not. We, we've talked about what this role is, but what this role is not. And this is hard for you to do. And Satan's going to tell you otherwise. You cannot do recovery for your warrior. This is their thing. Okay. This is their journey. You're a key component and an essential part of success, but you can't do this for them. This is their mortality. Okay. This is as Spencer so beautifully articulated. This is their path with the savior. They need to figure it out on their own recovery. It just don't let this become the only thing you talk about, but talk about it frequently. That's all I would say. And I guess we covered some of the, what worked for us and what didn't. Anything else you'd care to add, Spence, or should we move to our next teammate? Yeah. The only other thing I'd say is that to find a way to talk about it without me or my mom having to uncomfortably be like, should we talk about it? Was just a simple, uh, I would send a text of just a thumbs up in the morning if I won the day before or a thumbs down if I lost. That way it just like, it's, oh, it's consistent. There's no, hey, how you doing, brother, with your pornography problem? It's just hard. So just keep it. That, I think that's a good example of what you're talking about, Wes. So just yep. want to throw that in there. And yep. the next like one, that. this one for those supporters on the call is you might be this person. You might be this person, but a trench mate really is one that's really going through it themselves, right? Someone in the fight that's with you. And that's what Wes was for me. It's like, finally, I when Wes told me that he was struggling with pornography, I was like, what? Scott, like, dude, Wes is, I and, and you may have heard the legends of Weston Smith throughout the land from Utah State because watched, he was the man. You've watched Cops or America's Most Wanted, then maybe. Yeah, but, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> but he was a legend. People, everyone knew him. And he's just this influential, awesome guy. And he's struggling with pornography. Oh my gosh. I maybe I'm not that all that bad. So yeah, someone in the, the fight that the two of you, your relationship, Hey, we're in this together. We're going to be accountable. We're going to like talk about this regularly. This is our thing. And that's what happened for me and Wes on the way down to work. We would carpool together and that's not always the case for everyone, but find a way to regularly be talking about this. And we would, we would do drills together. We would talk all these different things and we'll get into that in our next one, which is with some more tools. But yeah, just someone else that knows. Yeah, these are just really quick bullets here. I think we can get on to the next one, Wes, just because of time. I want to make sure we get to would, this, this last watch. point here. Mutual success and mutual failure is important. That if someone, if the person, if your trench mate struggles in there, if they lose a battle, you lose a battle. Okay, that's that level of commitment to each other's success is essential. And Spence certainly was that to me. This person helps to contribute to the gamification of recovery as well, which Eternal Warriors is, or, and the Sons of Helaman is so good at. We were in a group where we called that element partners. So that's, this person is probably someone that you met at group or like Spence, Spencer and I, like someone who's going through the same thing and that you can be a little bit more candid, like 
in, in sharing your lost battle specifics with them. It's a little bit easier to do that with someone uh, that is in that trench with you. Okay, let's go to our next group of teammates is your recovery group. Okay. Yeah, for me personally, I was so scared and afraid to go to a group because that then that meant I had a problem. If I just never went to a group, that meant that I was like, it was so backwards, right? But I was, there was so much shame. What if I see someone there I know? So fortunately I had Wes because I don't know if I ever would have gone. So Wes, seriously, thank you. But this is really where the Sons of Helaman, this is, this took me to the next level of recovery, which is to really provide like a way to chart and progress my recovery and my journey with real like tools, like actionable things, like what's happening in my brain, right? What's what can I actually do about it? So for those of you that aren't familiar with Sons of Helaman, we, I personally, that's, I would highly recommend every all day, every day, because it, I always, when I was fighting alone, and then even when I had my mom and I had Wes, it still was like, what do I do though? I'm fighting this. I'm doing all I can. I'm praying. I'm reading my scriptures. I'm like, what do I do? Like, how do I actually do this? We don't have time to get into these tools, of course, but man. Having a group of people to learn this from and to be linked together like this, going into the scrum, in the fight, nothing better for my my personal recovery. Spencer and I also really benefited from having one-on-one professional therapy and from a counselor, okay? Life-changing services is the best in the biz. We've got our boy Cody Hawes here, friend of the show and best friend of us. We freaking love Cody. Of course, Maurice, the godfather Harker of Life-Changing Services, author of Dragons Did They Fight, all around Kingpin. We just love Maurice and our good friend Brighton here as well. Great pros, incredible therapists that would be more than happy to take you on as a client. It's naive to think and ignorant to think that everybody ticks the same way. Having a professional there to be able to help you apply the skills and training that you're getting in a group setting to you as an individual was essential for me as an individual. And I think Spence would agree, but just one more person to the team is never going to hurt. Yes. Yeah. The only thing I'll add there is that, that working through things with Cody helped me understand myself better. It was like a way to find empathy and self-love. And you may not get that individual work in group a lot of the time. So we definitely, if needed, yeah, get some one-on-one help go for it. Like, why not? Why not recruit all the best players into this team? Why not get all the help you can? And then this last one, I love this last one, Wes, this last expanding the circle. This is really, Sorry. here we go. For me, this is when my recovery changed forever. It went from like, when can I be done with this? And when am I just going to be done with pornography? to now this is who I am. This is my story. This is my journey. This is my thing. Like I'm a fighter. I'm a warrior. And that translated into expanding my circle because there was no more shame. There was no more shame about it. It it is an acceptance. And and as we've gone through this, maybe you've seen this as I, as Wes and I prepared, we noticed a pattern that as you go throughout these, not that it has to be linear, 
like this. It definitely does not need to be with recruiting the different teammates, but it really is levels of acceptance and ownership of your own journey and your own recovery. And, and if you don't, if you're not there yet, that's okay. It's all part of it. But I just want to highlight here that this is where, when I dated my now wife, I was so open with her because I was like, this is me. And now even it, and it came up recently with a coworker, right? It came up, a friend of mine from college just reached out and said, I heard of this, heard of your pot. Like I saw your, that you did a podcast and I had another, anyways, just a lot of people that have like, I've connected with since, and it has just added more and more juice and more and more power in my journey. Wes, anything you'd add to this one? Yeah. Like the key here is you don't need a special platform or an event to broach the subject. In fact, like the less formal the setting is, then the more approachable and easy the conversation becomes. Like you do not need to get up in front of everyone and God during fast and testimony meetings saying, brothers and sisters, I'm a pornography addict. You do not have to do that. I know people who have done it. Okay. But you don't have to do that. But I tell you what, before Izzy and I went on this crazy trip around the world, we were, we were living out in Sandy and I was serving in the bishopric and it's different when I'm able to personally testify to the young men that I've had a pornography issue and that I've worked through it. And the Lord has helped me to change and to live a more fulfilled life. That's different by bearing that first person testimony than by saying, I've heard this, or I, we just sometimes allude to certain things. It, it, it strips the last bit of shame that Satan holds over us when we own it and say, this is, this scar is part of my story. And think about that by showing our scars to others, we allow everyone else to do the same. Okay. Think about what Jesus Christ did. He showed his scars to his apostles so that we could show ours to others and point them back to him as the ultimate healer. Okay. I bought a couple of books called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures that kind of teaches some principles of to, to young children about the dangers of pornography. I gave it to my brothers because they have little kids to share with them. That's a way that you can normalize the conversation. Sitting around a campfire with your friend, with your family or, or friends. These are all perfect examples. And then this was something that Spence really wanted to share that I love right here too, before we ask for questions, but go ahead, Spence. Yeah. Just to bring us home, this is somewhat unrelated to the team, but I just, this is something that's been on my mind. And so it needed to be shared before we wrap up. I, in June, went on a trip to New York. So over here, this picture on the left, you'll see the, the city of New York. And always when I'm in New York, I'm like, man, there's a lot of construction. Like always just like the little scaffolding that you walk under and there's always just a ton of construction going on. Didn't really bother me much on, on that trip. I then recently, last was that last weekend, my wife and I went to Las Vegas. Not my favorite place in the world and probably not a highly recommended place if you're struggling with <laughs> pornography. Yeah. So I've been running a lot lately and I needed to go for a run. So I go out running in Las Vegas and there was a ton of construction again. That kind of just brought me back to New York. I'm like, oh man, these big cities and specifically on this run, it changed my course a couple of times. It was really frustrating. And I was like, why are these 
cities always under like why can't they just get all the stuff fixed and then it just is easy and it's nice for us to be able to enjoy the city um it also these signs that you always see right here in the middle of the under construction as you're going down construction at or what is that you know at work i don't know as you're driving down the road on the highway on the freeway there's always construction you're like gosh dang it can they not just get this these roads fixed and just be done and then it dawned on me like no we're there the, those cities are always going to be under construction not because not as a problem as a good thing they're constantly going to be maintaining and improving the city that's what's that's what's required and i think tying it into what we've talked about today like looking at ourselves not as a finished product uh, as a city that needs to be completed that we're under construction we are under construction and wes in your recent that's why i put this picture on the right because wes had a pretty cool example from his yeah. travels so we one of the places that my wife and i visited was this town in the town it's actually a pretty big city in the center of the amazon rainforest called manaus manaus sits right it's in Brazil, but it's right where the Rio Negro and the Rio Solimoin actually join to form the Amazon River and head out to the Atlantic Ocean. And um, right there, Manaus was once a boom town back at the turn of the 19th century because of the rubber tree in the, the Amazon rainforest. The rubber tappers came in um, and made a fortune selling rubber uh, extract to the rest of the world. Eventually, a couple of those trees got smuggled out to Southeast Asia, and it was cheaper to, to farm them out there and to distribute them to the rest of the world than it was to get to tap the, the wild plants in Brazil. And so this, honestly, this metropolis, like if, if you Google Manaus, M-A-N-A-U-S, you will see a giant, beautiful opera house in the middle of the Amazon rainforest. And all these other, like there's a temple in Manaus. It's a pretty decent sized city. But as you get to the farther you get out from the city, you'll notice most of the city is actually derelict and the jungle is reclaiming the land. And so that picture on the right is not dramatic. That's something that Izzy and I saw a lot of on the outskirts of this city. And I think it goes perfectly with what Spence was saying. Maintenance was what the goal was advancement and progress wasn't and if your only goal is maintenance the jungle will take you back you need to continually be pushing forward build those high rises we contrast that to new york city or we went to dubai and think about dubai is the city of the future so incredible but they're all about creating new things and if you do that maintenance takes care of itself and that's we want to, what we want to leave with you guys. Questions. I know that I think Luann or, or BJ is collecting questions. Have we got anything ready? Okay. Yeah, I know we're a little over time, but but yeah, we'd love to hear from you guys. And uh, what questions are there? Awesome. Wes and Spenny, thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome to, yeah, Stop if her. you're here and you're able you're welcome to just start your video. It really does add a lot to elevate the meeting, give Wes and Spenny some real people to look at and you'll gain more. So if you're in a spot to do that, great. If you're not, we totally understand that. And just Wes and Spenny, can I just personally thank you just as a mom, I've been listening to 
you just off and on and for several years. And it's just your courageous vulnerability has just really given permission to a lot of people that are supporting loved ones or just people, honestly, that are struggling in silence. And so I, it's a big deal to come out of those dark places and just have some light on that. So just thanks for being a window there, window to some truth. And I just felt so much of spirit-led conversations and you pointing to the Savior there. So we did, we will have a follow-up email coming out in a few days, probably by Friday, that'll come out to anyone that's registered and it'll have the references and things that Wes and Spenny mentioned here today. And if you're thinking, oh, what they say, you'll be able to listen again and you'll also have those in the email. And so just thanks so much. I do have several questions and we'll just see what we can get to. We'll go until about 20 after and then we've got some uh, helps and resources to share with you. And then Wes and Spenny will leave us just with a final thought to send us off. And so let me go ahead and start with this question here. I've personally, I'm going to go to this other one. That almost went from the last one. Okay, let's take, let's pretend you're at the airport and you sit by someone and it's either a parent or a leader or a youth. And you've got one minute before they're going to go board the plane and you're never going to see them again. And you understand that, let's start with they're a youth and they share with you that they're struggling with pornography. You've got one minute to say something to them. What would you say? Cool, me too. No, that's a really, that's a, a good question. I would probably like under, want to understand what their definition of struggling with pornography is. Not to the, not like extent, but like, why do they feel like it's a bad thing? And then they'd probably be like, I don't feel good about myself. I don't, I feel like I'm objectifying people. I, I don't feel like I'm living up to myself as a son of God or things like that. And you help them realize you just told me what your value system is. And Satan's telling you that your value system is actually something else, right? But you just told me, not through any prompting of me giving you the answers, you told me, I don't want to be this way. That's a good thing. All right. The fact that you even acknowledge that realize that you have a desire to change. Alma 32 says, yeah, if you can no more than desire to believe, let that desire work in you. Okay. And it does not happen overnight. Day by day, brick by brick. And that's enough. Rome was not built in a day, but you better believe they were building it every single day until it was built. Okay. It's not some fly by night. I tried and it didn't work out. Yeah. But then you quit after a week, commit to something. And there's power in and self-love and appreciation that comes in commitment. Spence, what would you say? So good, Wes. I to Wes's first point, I'm like, ah, oh, I have so many questions I want to ask. Can we just talk for a little while? Just one minute? Dang it. But no, because I just I just feel like I'd love to understand, yeah, where they're at and let them know that they're not alone. Of course, it's you're so normal. This is so normal that you're struggling with something everyone's struggling with something and this happens to be yours yeah that's normal and just that god loves you god's there for you he's got his, he's got your back you're not alone you're gonna get through this and maybe i would throw in a little bit of my mom just, you're gonna do this a little confidence hey you, you can you not that you might know you're going to do this you're gonna figure this out 
and it's going to, it's going to take time and going back to the analogy, it's, it's not going to be a finished product. You're not going to get it, the city fixed and it's going to be done and you never have to do anything ever again. No, you're in for a ride for the rest of your life and accept it. This is my thing and I'm going to be under construction and that's okay. I guess that's, yeah. So hard. Good question. Yeah, those are hard ones to answer real quick. And let you know what, let's just switch over to, I see several questions in the, the chat and, and they've been sent privately. Let's just switch over to, to bishops. Can you share just a couple of things that bishops did or, you know, that? Yeah, I would say that the bishop's role for me was pointing me back to Jesus, which was awesome. I think that's when I first felt forgiveness from Jesus Christ. And like that experience was because of a great bishop that showed me his love. And I would say that now having gone through what I've gone through, a bishop can't just be the only one. I, I that's I think that's, I just, it's gotta be more than the bishop. You gotta have, you gotta recruit a, a bigger, broader team. Not that the bishop is not important because absolutely part of it. That's, that's just a quick thought. Wes, what would you say about bishops? I'm trying to find this scripture reference that a bishop shared with me that changed everything for me. I, I want to say it's Doctrine and Covenants 50. Anyways, the, the reference says, if a man repenteth of his sins, he will confess them and forsake them. And I, the Lord, shall remember them no more. And he asked me, if someone can, knows that reference and can put it in the chat, it's going to kill me until I remember that. But anyways... My bishop, who worked with me as a teenager, shared that with me. And he said, Wes, why do you think that? There it is, 58. There we go. DNC 584243. Thank you. My bishop said to me, Wes, why do you think that the Lord doesn't remember them anymore? Surely he's all powerful and has the capacity to do that. Why do you think he doesn't remember them? And I was like, I don't know, Bishop. I don't know. You tell me. And he says, it is because he chooses not to. Why on earth would a loving heavenly father want to view you in a fallen, imperfect state when all of your sins have been paid for by your savior and you have repented of them? It's not you. Now, in his great infinite mercy and love and wisdom, he allows us to remember them so that we can choose not to make those same mistakes that we remember the hardship and pain that we experience when we were doing those things. But he doesn't see us that way. And for a bishop, I would make that crystal clear to your youth. God wants to view you in the best possible way. He wants to see you as he created you, not as what Satan has told you are. That's what I'd say. That's a good question. Thanks, BJ. Yeah, thank you. Okay, see how, see if we can fit in a few more. Did you ever share your struggle with pornography with your mission president and if so, oh, this is... what, what was their counsel? Also, what's your best advice for a missionary returning home who has this addiction? This is Judy's question. I'm so happy we're getting to this because I didn't. I was so, I guess, anxious. I, To be fair, I was pretty good on my mission. I don't want to say I, I didn't need to see my mission present, but I should have. I wasn't secure enough in my place of recovery to do that just yet. Had I found Sons of Helaman as a teenager instead of as a young single adult, I think that would have made a huge difference for me. 
but I have since spoken to many mission presidents about this. I think we even did a podcast episode with a former mission president asking some of these questions. My uncle served as a mission president and I asked him these things and they said, like the, the main question that every missionary is worried about is, am I going to get sent home? That's the, the scariest thing. I was an early release missionary from my mission. I actually came home from the MTC with severe anxiety and depression issues before I was reassigned. I was initially assigned to Russia and was uh, reassigned to New York City as I went back. Um, but there are worse things than coming home from a mission early. I can tell you that right now. Okay. I, I did it. Like it's scary. It's so scary walking back into a sacrament hall where just a few months before you gave your home, your farewell address and you walk in and everybody's rubbernecking at you. And that's some culture crap in the church that we got to figure out, but there are worse things, but most like every mission president that I asked about this, they said, the first thing that I want to do is to help the young man. And sometimes if the sin, like if it hasn't been addressed by repentance at all, the right thing might be to start repentance. And that might include not being a full-time representative of the Lord at the time. Okay. That might be part of it. But if you're on the track of recovery, every single one, I, I think I've talked to three or four mission presidents about this. Every single one of them said, I want to keep the young men out there as, as best I can. I want them to be successful. I want to work with them through this. This is something that I understand they have probably worked on before they left and might not be, as Spence and I say, done or still need some maybe professional support. I know that there were a lot of missionaries that that there still are missionaries that are meeting with LCS professionals, like on their P days or something via an, a virtual format. That happens. So it's a mixed bag. Every mission president is, I don't want to say every mission president is different in how they'll handle it but every missionary is different in what they need. I hope that answers your question, Judy. And, and Spence, if any, if you want to add something to that too. Yeah, I'll just take that last part of, because I actually didn't talk to my mission president either, interestingly enough. But yeah, I fortunately did pretty well as far as recovery on my mission, fortunately. And I know that's not everyone's situation. So definitely talk to your mission president and I wish I would have, because I would love to have heard his wisdom. Amazing man. If I were preparing to leave on a mission now and I had a mission call and I had been to the temple, I have worked with my stake president and my bishop for to be worthy, I would heck make my team bigger. I'm going to email my mission president and I'm going to say, hey, I'm going to be joining your mission next transfer. These are some things that I've struggled with and that I'm working on. And I would love to include you in my in whatever capacity you feel is appropriate please help me to sustain my success. And I want to serve the Lord as best and as cleanly as I can. No mission president will turn that down. Love that. I'll just add best advice for a missionary returning home who has this addiction, jump right back in the group. No questions asked, just jump right back into recovery as not in recovery into a group, to a group setting because it's going to come. It's going to Satan is mean cuss. He's coming for those return missionaries and to get right into your daily routines, your plans. And there's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a battle. So suit up. Oh, thank you both. It's happening again. We're running out of time and we have a whole bunch of questions still. Maybe I'll just 
slip these last quick ones in. If you have questions that you send in and you're, and hopefully some of the answers that have been given will just cover part of what your question is. And then also we'll be meeting again next Tuesday evening. I promised Karen we would answer her question real quick. Oh, please do. Is that okay? So Karen's question was, what would you suggest for someone who is struggling to feel their connection with God, knowing that they are acting outside their moral values? I would say to, the, to that person, didn't God know that when he was sending us here, that we would act outside of our value system? That's the point. We would come here, experiment with multiple value systems and realize, you're right, Heavenly Father, you're the way to go. Like, I feel best when I am doing that. It's all part of mortality. And I know that hearing that in the moment doesn't always address the situation, but having honest, candid prayers with God vocally have always helped me down on my knees in a secret place. And I just open my mouth and I say, Heavenly Father, I don't know what I'm doing, but I know you do. Let's figure this out. That's helped me. Yeah. The first thing, Karen, is that... I have been in this place many times throughout my journey of feeling disconnected, numb. That connection was severed. But in looking back, it's easy to see that it was my misunderstanding of who God really is and who Jesus Christ is, how they looked at me. Because when I was in that deep shame and disconnection with God, it was because I thought that he was so disappointed with me that he was just crushed. To Wes's point, this is the plan A was to come here and, and make choices and make mistakes. And it sucks, And that it, but that's part of it. And that he has zero expectation of our cities, quote unquote, New York, Vegas, of being perfect, of being and never being under construction. In fact, he said, here's a savior for you. You're going to be, you're going to need some construction. You're going to need some work. So that's part of it. That's okay. So just know whoever that is, Karen, if it's you or if it's someone you love, that's so normal and that it will come back. That connection will come back as they, they understand who God is, who Jesus is. Oh, thank you both. So good. I just want to quickly share a quote from a stake president I was talking to and about this topic and things that they would suggest. He says, hands down, he shares this talk more than any other talk with anybody um, struggling to just line their life up with their values. It's that his grace is sufficient by Brad Wilcox. It's a BYU speech. And I think this kind of sums up a lot of what Wes and Spenny talked about. There should never just be two options, perfection or giving up. When we're learning the piano, are there only are the only options performing at Carnegie Hall or quitting? No. Growth and development take time. Learning takes time. When we understand grace, we understand that God is long-suffering, that change is a process and that repentance is a pattern in our lives. Anyway, I so appreciated that. I've listened to that talk several times and just would highly recommend that just uh, for leaders and parents and youth as well. All right. I think we're going to, Wes and Spenny are going to give us just a, a final thought here in just a minute. I'm going to share just a couple of resources that might be of help to you and your families. 
maybe be thinking if you're going to share, have one of our awesome people here said, okay, any chance for a season five? So we're going to need an answer to that <laughs> after this. Let me share just a couple of resources for you and your family and just next week's webinar. So the final webinar in our three-part webinar series will be with Maurice Harker. He's the uh, founder and director of Life-Changing Services. He's the one that started the Sons of Helaman program that Wes and Spenny have referenced. And he's the author of Dragons Did They Fight? And so lots of you are probably familiar with that and that book, awesome book on self-mastery just for any behaviors of just lining up our values with our things that we think and say and do is pretty phenomenal. I just wanted to also, so next week, we'd love you to come. Maurice is also going to bring several generals, several young men that have been in the Sons of Helaman program and have just really honed lots of these skills and tools. And they're going to be talking out loud and frankly, like these, like Wes and Spenny have telling a little bit about their journeys, things that, that loved ones and leaders did that were helpful, that were not helpful. And so this is a pretty, this is a pretty awesome opportunity to hear right from them as well. Thank you so much. Will you send us off with just a, a final thought message of hope and just thank you again, just for, thanks for being you mostly. We just, you just show up just as you and you just add a light to any space. And anyway, just love to know you and grateful that you came today. It was quite the gift, but we'll let you be our final thought and send us off today. Thanks, BJ. You're so sweet. That was the nicest. Okay. I think we end in classical, classic fashion, Wes. I think we send these folks off with our reasons for fighting. But you agree? I do wholeheartedly. <laughs> Weston, why do you fight? Why won't you just give up? I, no. Are you kidding me? Giving up is for giver uppers. That ain't me. That ain't none of us, man. Are you kidding me? I fight because fighting is a better way. It is a more excellent way, as the Lord has shown us. I fight because living an eternal life is the best life to live. I fight for my beautiful wife and our awesome future. I fight for you, Spence, for being an incredible inspiration in my life. I fight for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm so grateful for what he has taught me through this addiction and through everything that I've experienced. One of my favorite things to say on the podcast is that if you always do what you've always done, then you will always get what you've always got. And when we really do look at ourselves and we're so frustrated with, with not having the success that we think that we should have in whatever capacity that is, not just limited to addiction recovery, ask yourself, have I given my all tomorrow yet? And you've never done that yet. There's always tomorrow. Okay. And the Heavenly Father does not care about yesterday. He cares about where your feet are oriented right now and where you plan to take your next step. You always do what you've always done. You always get what you always got. And if you do something different, it's not only possible to change, but it is inevitable. You can't help but change. That's why I fight, Spenny. What about you, young blood? Why do you fight? So good. Luan just said goosebumps in the chat. I'm like, yep. great books. Yeah, goosebumps. The yes, the, that was so oh, yeah. yeah. 
No, I fight. And I always say this on, on meetings and calls like this, but it's real. I feel it every single time as I fight for you good people on this call so that you know that you can do this. You really can. Whether it's you that's in the battle right now or not, you can do this. Your warrior can do this. You, they will do this. You will do this. And I fight because I am worth it. I fight because I'm a warrior. That's just who I am. That's what I do. There's no other way that I would rather live my life. I fight to be the best that I can personally be to quote unquote, continue being under construction and continue improving my city, my my being, being who God wants me to be and becoming more like Jesus. I fight for Ashley, my wife. I fight for Gracie, my daughter. They deserve the best possible spinny. I fight for them. I love them. They they are life. They are joy. I, I fight. There's, I just, there's just no other way. There's just no other way to live than to be a fighter, to be a warrior. And that's, that's what I'll do. Never going to give up. And with that, we'll send you off. Thank you. I know we're a few minutes over. Thank you for sticking around. Thank you for being here. You guys are so awesome. And please hit us up, podcast at lifechangingservices.org. You've got more questions. And of course, all these resources. Are you kidding? Life Changing Services has done what it says in its name. It has changed my life and it can change yours and, and those of, of your warriors. So thanks again for coming. And uh, we love you. And BJ, anything else before we drop? But Build thank that you. team. Build that all-star team. Yes. Build it. And they will come. Find that you're missing someone in that roster. Find someone. Get them on there. Yep. Agreed. Love it. Love it. Thank you all so much. Watch for the email with a recap of some of the things there. Just thanks for spending your time here tonight, all of you as well. And for that young adult face I see there on the screen as well. Thank you. <laughs> all of you guess who that is. <laughs> Good job. Okay. Take care, everyone. Sexual self-mastery in our day can be extra challenging. All of our families know someone tangled in the trap of pornography. We invite you to join thousands of youth and adults who have found hope and healing through the gospel-centered, faith-affirming programs for youth and adults offered through Life-Changing Services. Go to Life-Changing Services to get on the road to freedom and recovery.